Hello, my name is Lauren Layfield and this is your next podcast. The show that podcast fans everywhere have been waiting for. Listening to this week's recommended show, I found myself thinking that it must have been such a ride to put it together. It's a BBC Five Live podcast hosted by the investigative journalist Mabina Zar, and it's called Gangster Presents Catching the Kingpins. It basically follows the story of how the police infiltrated a secret phone network used by criminals, which then led to thousands of arrests and hundreds of prosecutions right across Europe. Each of the six episodes builds on the last, which makes it a really exciting, bingeable listen. Trust me on this one, you're going to love it. This is a series about the biggest organised crime bust in British legal history. Career police officers of 25, 35 years say they've never seen anything like this. 60,000 criminals around the world. As a detective, it doesn't get better. It was what every detective dreams of. I'm Mubina Zar, and for BBC Sounds, this is Catching the Kingpins. Episode 1, The Hack. March 2020. The coronavirus pandemic has hit London. The government is preparing to announce a new emergency package of measures. Police are waiting for an announcement about lockdown. The police, of course, they were going to be the ones that were enforcing it. You shouldn't be driving unless it's essential. Police can issue on-the-spot fines enforcing rules that weren't rules just days ago. But Detective Chief Inspector Driss Hayukane, his mind was on something else. After 30 years, Driss was on the brink of retirement. Football's my passion and I coach under 10s and under 12 football teams. And it's a real de-stress from my normal day-to-day job. So it's quite nice. So I was looking to go and work with young people. And that was my plan. But before Driss gets a chance to hand in his notice... Got a phone call to go to a confidential meeting and main boss has called us in. What Driss heard at that meeting made him change his plans. It's a realisation that I've got this opportunity which has never happened before. Driss is let into a secret. Police in France think they've found a way into a supposedly uncrackable phone network favoured by Europe's heaviest-hitting gangsters. We're talking organised crime at the most senior level. Only select people knew exactly what was going on. If this goes to plan, Driss will be reading the secret messages shared inside organised crime gangs. He reckons it's an opportunity too big to miss, so he puts his retirement on hold. The excitement level starts to go up because you're kind of thinking, oh my God, this is, she's gold. It's all about a brand of very special mobile phones with an incredible level of encryption made by a company called EncroChat. From about 2017 onwards, Driss and his team noticed that a lot of suspected drug traffickers were using EncroChat phones. 
they'd cost you up to £1,500 to get the handset. And then you had to pay it £1,400, £1,500 every six months to keep using it. If you would get an EncroChat phone, what would happen? Nothing. There's nothing you could do. It, it, the encryption was to, to a degree that you couldn't get into it. Would they get sent off to a lab or something? They'd go, they'd go to labs and stuff like that. So you know it's pretty likely there's evidence on there, there's messages yeah. on there, and they're just piling up in a lab. Yeah, that yeah. must have been incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Yes. And you know that even if you got into that covert operating system, they had a remote way to wipe that. So actually getting the messages was difficult. The phones also had something called a duress pin code. So if you get arrested and the police naturally then are going to say, OK, so what's your pin code for your phone? You can give them a particular set of numbers that is going to wipe the phone. So you give them a pin code and act like you're being helpful. But it wipes the phone, meaning any evidence that's on there has gone. It was designed, really, for, in my opinion, for criminal use. This line that criminals are the only real market for EncroChat phones is an important part of the French police's justification for trying to hack the network. The UK's National Crime Agency, they also say these phones were just for criminals. That claim will end up becoming a hotly contested issue, one that could bring this whole investigation crashing down. So I've been covering the encrypted phone industry since at least 2016. Joseph Cox is a writer and investigative journalist. His interest in this started when he worked for Motherboard, Vice's magazine devoted to technology. These days, he's at 404 Media, a platform that specialises in stories about crime and tech. My reporting, it's always with my own sources in the criminal community. He was one of the few people outside the criminal world who clocked the rise of the encrypted phone. I first came across it, I think, in a pretty random blog post on some sort of Dutch crime blog. And when I first saw it, I was just, well, what is going on here? You know, there is clearly something here, clearly money to be made, because there's so many companies here. And as I started to look into that industry, I actually spoke to some of the companies that I don't think a journalist had really done before. And it kind of snowballed from there, talking to investigators who came across these phones, talking to the companies, talking to the people who coded the phones themselves. This industry that was an entire slew of companies that made phones pretty much exclusively for organised crime. And in this dodgy industry, EncroChat was the most, let's say, intriguing EncroChat, they always stood out to me as being maybe the scary ones. And I always remembered EncroChat because while I spoke to representatives from other companies, EncroChat never got back to me. They never responded to my emails, my text messages. Um, They were, for lack of a better way of putting it, very much underground. You know, they barely had a website, they barely had any online presence, and they just wouldn't talk to me at all. So I I wonder what they're up to. I'm going to tell you about the mysterious people behind EncroChat. 
That's going to come later in the series. But right now, what does an EncroChat phone look like? And that might seem like an exciting question, but the answer is actually pretty boring. An EncroChat device is basically a customised Android phone. What the company did was that they took these ordinary Android phones and they loaded their own software and other modifications onto the device. The phones might look ordinary, but you couldn't buy them in a regular phone shop. Generally, you're probably going to need to know somebody to be able to get one of these phones. And that might involve, you know, cash in hand in an alley. It might involve paying at a a phone store that is stocking them sort of under the counter. Or maybe you can order one online or through a message with a reseller who will ship it to you. But they're not impossible for an ordinary consumer to obtain, but they would have to put in some effort to try and get one. I can vouch for that. When I was working on a series back in 2019 about drug dealing in my hometown of Huddersfield, I heard that the drug dealers had these special encrypted phones. And I thought, that's interesting. What is that about exactly? So we went to a phone shop, which we thought was bound to sell them. I'm talking about uh, Backstreet, what I would call a, a bit dodgy. And it sold these tiny little phones, so tiny that people smuggle them into prisons in uncomfortable ways. You can use your imagination for that. You get the picture. But I remember even he said that he'd only ever sold two EncroChat phones. And at that time, they, they didn't have access to any more. He didn't have any in stock. But five years on, I've got one in my hands at last. Can I turn it on? The National Crime Agency has given me one to play around with. The phone powers up in ordinary Android mode. It comes up with the standard Android logo. To get from here into the hidden EncroChat side of the phone, that part isn't obvious, but it's easy when you know how. Oh, so I just run my finger down the the fingerprint kind of area where you'd normally use that to unlock your phone. So I did that three times and it's as if the phone has effectively done a restart. I type in the password. Yeah, it's starting up. And I'm in. Okay, so you've got a notes function. You've got the chat function. In EncroChat mode, the phone can be used to make a limited number of calls and there's a function for converting currencies but mostly it's about sending text messages and photos. And you can only communicate with other EncroChat users. So it's a sort of WhatsApp fraternity full of criminals, which according to the journalist Joseph Cox, is the whole point. What you're really buying when you get an EncroChat phone or a phone from any of these companies really, is that you are buying into this network. You know, there are other criminals who use uh, these phones. There are other drug traffickers who will discuss business with you on these phones. And if you don't have one of these phones, I mean, you're probably not going to be taken seriously. It's good for the drug traffickers' operations, but it's also just a status symbol as well. I mean, you're not a real drug dealer unless you have an EncroChat phone. It's a tool of the trade, and it's a status symbol. And the gangs are thinking they've got this kind of secret level of protection. What they don't know is that the French and Dutch police 
have joined forces and they're planning to crack the code. The French authorities discovered that an EncroChat server was in France, hosted by a legitimate company, and the French cloned that server. Cloning meaning that they basically made a copy, they left the network running, they didn't shut it down, and what they do find is that it is possible to use that server to push an update to EncroChat phones around the world. You know, now we receive updates for our phones every single day. You know, Apple will tell you update your iPhone, Google say update your Android phone. It was basically that, but for the EncroChat devices. And what the French authorities decided to do was that they would inject themselves into that update. Now, there's a whole bunch of secrecy around how this works. In fact, it's so secret that when the French police brief the UK's National Crime Agency about it, they won't write down exactly how it works. But I've got the wording of the warrant in front of me. It summarises how the NCA said this would work. It says this operation would take place in two stages. So after this bit of secret software disguised as an update was placed on the phones, stage one would be to collect all the data sitting on the phones. So that includes, and I'm quoting, usernames, passwords, stored chat messages, geolocation data, images, and notes. And then stage two was then to collect any new messages stored on the device on an ongoing basis. So I think in layman's terms, that means the messages are kind of being sucked out of the handsets and sent to the French police somehow, and from there sent to Europol and then onto law enforcement around Europe. And that includes the UK's National Crime Agency. You might think this is all a bit technical and detailed, but, and I'm gonna to come to this at the end of the series, these details end up being at the heart of a legal challenge which could turn this story on its head. Wow, this is, yeah, this is quite major, isn't it? It feels like a time bomb, actually. But in March 2020, there's excitement. So you can imagine the French police are contacting police forces across Europe and they're saying, get ready. Everything has to be done in an incredible hurry. And that's because the French police are planning to exploit a vulnerability in EncroChat software, a little glitch. EncroChat's technical boffins could notice that vulnerability at any time and they could patch it. The French need to sneak their hack into the EncroChat system before that happens. Otherwise, they're back to square one. While the French rush to prepare the hack, DCI Driss Hayukane is told to assemble a team at the Met. We're in a secure place in central London. It's a huge building with all the technical wizardry that, that we can muster. Ready and waiting to see if this bit of secret software was going to work. A network of encrypted mobile phones, a required tool for an estimated 10,000 UK criminals. Something called EncroChat. 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 Catching the kingpins. I started off by calling this a hack. Can't use the word hack. <laughs> but I've been told that isn't exactly right. You don't like me saying hack, do you? No, because I'm not 
a hacker. Okay, so according to the Google Dictionary definition of a hack, it's the gaining of unauthorized access to data in a system or computer. Now, the hack of EncroChat wasn't unauthorized. Of course, the French police had warrants. And so did the National Crime Agency. When Driss says he's not a hacker, what he's saying is that he or anyone involved in this operation, they weren't doing anything illegal, essentially. I know the police don't like the term, but let's keep things as simple as we possibly can. It's what you and I would think of as a hack. It's a legal hack. Whatever you want to call it, the point is, it worked. Thousands of criminals across Europe downloaded the update, giving police the chance to hoover up their messages almost in real time. We couldn't cope with the amount of data that we were getting. We're overwhelmed. It took me a week or so to grapple with it and try to try to understand it and actually see the scale of it. We're talking about criminals all across the, the world. London, we're looking at potentially 1,400 subjects to deal with, and that's, that's a lot, lot to deal with. Sometimes it was like being in a room with them and they are talking freely and they don't see you there. It was just like cracking open a window straight into an organised crime group. Every morning you came in and you're like, oh my, oh my, oh my, that is, uh, that is incredible. That's that, oh wow, that's him, oh wow. It sounds a little bit like a, you know, like a TV box set with a, you know, a cliffhanger. Yeah, definitely. It seems almost too good to be true and there's more intel coming in daily The French police have a warrant to keep collecting the messages for one month. They think they can extend it to two months. But the people who run EncroChat or their customers might twig they've been hacked well before then. It sounds kind of exciting. It was exciting. You know, I I, I always say most of the reason you do that on house is the adrenaline drive that it gives you because you're going, oh my, you know, really? We were all working really, really long hours. You're talking, you know, 19, 20 hours a day and then having to go again the next morning. But just kind of looking across the room where you'd expect people, you know, working at that pace for a long, long time to be flagging, I think you could see that they were drawing uh, more energy from the fact that they realised what they were dealing with. Uh, and, And that sort of got you over the edge. It it just keeps you going. It keeps you going, yeah. The French police were sending the hacked messages on a daily basis. I guess you're wondering when the cops would start knocking on some doors. It wasn't that simple. Because first, they'd have to work out who owned the phones. That's because the criminals were all hiding behind anonymous usernames, so-called handles. There were weird names like Usual Wolf, Pale Fog and Sand Ferret. So it wasn't exactly a slam dunk. But in those messages, there were clues. A lot of people there were very comfortable talking openly. So what what are some of the ways that people shared information and essentially gave themselves away? So we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. You know, someone sent a message saying, my name is such and such. This is my date of birth. This is my address. They just put it all out there. Put it all out there because they wanted the other person to know it was him. Right. So he was kind of verifying his real world identity. To another criminal. Right. 
So again, thank you very much. We'll we'll take that. Uh, I mean, you you still have to do other bits and pieces around to to do it, but I'm just saying that kind of gives us that's, that's quite a lot <laughs> a great of detail. Start of, great starter for ten, as as they say. Uh, then we had you know people were so comfortable with it they were sending selfies. They were sending selfies. Wow. Okay. Yeah, to each other, and again, that's kind of that bravado. You know, the communication wasn't always just strictly business. There was kind of chit chat as well, and I think a lot of times. Uh, you can pick up little clues, you know, it's my son's birthday today. Uh, and then they might name their son. And then, you know, you, you do the detective work and find out they have got a son and it's their birthday on that day, da, 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 and work it that way. So these are clues that you try to piece together. Obviously, there are other people who are a little bit more cagey or don't say much. This is not all the case, but the higher you are probably in the, in the organisation, the less messages you send because you're sending orders uh, and other people are doing those orders, so they have to do more of the logistical side, right. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, completely. The French police assigned every single EncroChat handle a home base, so that's an informed guess of the area where the owner lives. There were various ways they could work out where a phone was physically located. The police could see which Wi-Fi networks were nearby and they could see which mobile phone mast it was connected to. There were over 1,400 users inside the Mets patch, so the police were getting a window into their lives and into their plotting. When you've got all this material coming through, how do you prioritise? For us, it's always about harm and risk. So who are the most harmful people? So we're looking for keywords about murder, armed robbery, kidnap, firearms, child sexual exploitation, modern slavery, high-level drug importation... Uh, corruption, mm-hmm. uh, threats to life. And so we got some really talented uh, data scientists and data analysts, and that was their kind of job, put a script on it. So that's people writing computer programs. They'll run a script through it yeah. to look for keywords that were able to give us an opportunity to prioritise them, and we would be moving our resources to deal with them. DCI, Driss, Hayukane and the team are a few weeks in. They have enough intel to round up some of the biggest players in organised crime. But one arrest could send a signal. The criminals weren't aware, obviously, that their messages were being read. It could let everyone know that EncroChat has been hacked and that is too big a risk. So for now, they watch and wait. At times, it's frustrating. This guy's leaving the country, what are we going to do? You're holding your nerve, you're saying, right. Okay. What have we got, you know? Is there something that we can hold him on that doesn't refer to Anchor Chat? So, essentially, you'd be able to sweep in and 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 make the arrest yeah, but you... without that knowledge being made yeah. public? Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine, in these cases where the police find some way of arresting people without revealing they're using intelligence from EncroChat evidence, the defence solicitors are a bit confused. I had numerous clients who were arrested in the spring of 2020, where, on the face of it, the police didn't seem to have any real material evidence 
Julian Richards is one of those defence lawyers who realised something out of the ordinary was happening, but couldn't figure out what. And we saw a surge in arrests, particularly those involved in supply of drugs. Um, started seeing people being arrested. We started seeing the police making seizures of drugs. And there wasn't on the face of it any obvious explanation. It seems that they had information of some description, but not necessarily something that was disclosed to us. So there were things that didn't add up. So guess what the criminals do? They start messaging each other on Encrow chat to say they can't work out where the police are getting their intel from. I don't think they necessarily thought that there was a supergrass as such, but the natural instincts of those who were being arrested was to assume that they had been arrested as a direct consequence of information that had been given to the police, either by someone within their organisation or someone known to them. So they assumed that that perhaps could be the only possible explanation. And that heightened suspicion amongst serious criminals of each other could trigger all sorts of violence, revenge killings and that kind of thing. But for as long as the operation is still secret, there's going to be some cases where the police just have to let the suspects remain free. There's nothing the police can do other than keep an eye on them and be a bit philosophical about it. It really doesn't matter that you've lost the case because there's an old saying in the police, they'll come again. They'll come again. In other words, a career criminal is going to trip up at some point. But what if watching and waiting feels wrong? Scattered amongst the hundreds of thousands of messages the team were reading, amongst jokes and chat about drugs and lines about birthdays, one string of messages stood out. There were the outlines of a murder plot. And for Driss and his team, things suddenly shifted up a gear. They were talking about doing a ride out, which is a drive-by, and whether they needed more than one firearm. EncroChat, as it's known, a network of encrypted mobile phones, a required tool for an estimated 10,000 UK criminals. Something called EncroChat. 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 EncroChat had been hacked. Before we head off, I did mention that the first time that I came across EncroChat phones was when I was working on a story up in Huddersfield about drug dealing in my hometown and the endemic violence that came with it. It was for a TV series called Hometown, A Killing. What happened to you? I was left for dead, basically. They thought they'd killed me. And I come around in hospital a few hours later. That was from the second series of the TV show. But you can listen to a podcast version of the story, still on BBC Sounds right now. Just search Hometown, A Killing. Listen to that. But before you do that, listen to the next episode of this series where we ask, can the Met disrupt a murder plot without blowing the biggest police operation in British history? It's very clear from the messages that he needs these guns because he's looking to get revenge. You can find out the answer right now on BBC Sounds. I'm Mubin Azar and you've been listening to Catching the Kingpins, It's a BBC Studios production for BBC Sounds. The series producer was Andrew Hoskin and the executive producer was Innes Bowen. Encrochat. 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 Encrochat.
EncroChat had been hacked. How did they not see it coming? Catching the kingpins. Listen first on BBC Sounds. So there you go. All six episodes have been released as a set on BBC Sounds, so you can rattle through the whole lot now. It's a really amazing, exciting piece of journalism, this. Once you've tapped follow for Gangster Presents Catching the Kingpins, don't forget to do the same for this show so you can find your next podcast. All my recommendations from the whole series will be on Podcast Rex at www.podcastrex.com. That is www.podcastrex.com. 